celebrating Juneteenth. It's, it, is, it is absolutely, I believe, how we survive and thrive. It's the ability to access joy in the most horrific of circumstances. Uh, my friends, is the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis. We're talking about joy. We're talking about self-love. We're talking about a lot of stuff. And I think you're going to really enjoy the Reverend Doctor if you have never heard her before. I'm going to be honest, didn't really know much about her until this podcast and this book. And, um, you know, it was uh, it was great. Uh, a few weeks ago we had this conversation. And the stuff that we get into about self-love stayed with me. Uh, I, you know, you know, kind of makes me feel a little bit weird talking self-love. But I'm glad we did. And uh, it's been helpful for me. There's a lot in here I hope you enjoy. And uh, without further ado, here we go. All right, friends, welcome back to the show today. I am honored to have the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis on the podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Luke. I, I'm so honored to be here. I, I First of all, I like that you get like the, the double title, like the, the Reverend Doctor. Like that's always like a really impressive move. So congratulations on earning that title. I'm very jealous and happy for you at the same time. Well, you know, you can get one if the price is right. You just have to go to school for five years to get that PhD and spend that money, and then you can have a double type. Yeah, no, I'm uh, my MDiv. That's enough for me. <laughs> um, Are you ordained in which, which denomination? Are I am from the, the Churches of Christ, which is from the Restoration yeah. Movement. And mm-hmm. uh, so our denomination is a, it, we're pretty low church. Like, we don't have, like, um, an official ordination process. So, um they just kind of let me do my thing. But I do have an MDiv from uh, one of our seminaries. And um, okay. yeah, but uh, you know, it, it works, whatever. Um, t- today, you are, um, <laughs> your church is in Manhattan. Um, yes. Do, do you live in New York? Are you in New Jersey? Or where, where do you live? I live in New York. And okay. I, have a, I also have a house in New Jersey mm-hmm. um, that I bought when I sold something. And it is my retirement house. And today, I'm in New Jersey with the bright light scaring you on my. The bright light from outside. I came to New Jersey today to write because uh-huh. the rest, like tomorrow, begins the beginning of book wildness. Yes, yes. Well, today, this, book, this yeah. is yeah, book wildness. The, so it's like I'm just going to take a day and just be in the country for ten. Go down to Jersey. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. Um, so you went to, uh, if I remember the story correctly from the book, in 2004. You go to the church, uh, or you're at the church like researching the pastor, yep. and doing some yep. doctoral work there, and then yep. all of a sudden you become the pastor. Yeah, it was very magical the way that worked out. That's something you could do, Luke. You could go, like, you could come research me and, and then, then end up on my staff. That could and be then, good. Okay. I don't, know <laughs> yeah. if, I don't know if my wife and my, my, my wife might not move away from Texas, so that would be the only tough part uh, of yeah, that. Yeah, that could be hard. But then, I would, yeah. You know, but you would do it. You could maybe. I mean, yeah. I, I would be happy to work on your staff. Now, uh, <laughs> so the church is four hundred. Okay, the name of the church: Middle Collegiate Church. Middle Collegiate Church. Collegiate being the old English word for collegial. Nothing to do with colleges. Oh, I was like, we. What does that mean, right? Yeah, I'm not we, um, that, yeah. we are the. Yes, you are. It's just a weird word. We are okay. the oldest continuous Protestant church in North America, dating to 1628, when the Dutch people came across the water looking for whatever, trapping furs and things, yeah. and they made New Amsterdam, <laughs> and they had a church at the fort. So that was the first church down there. And in 1692, the King of England gave us a charter, which makes us older than the United States of America. Yeah, we're wow. old. That, that is unbelievable in America right? for a church to be 400 years old. That is just completely yeah. baffling. 
I, I don't yes. even know where to where to begin. Like all my questions. Um, now, the, the sad part of the story: uh, the church recently burnt down. Was yes. it uh, a year or two ago? Yep, it was December 2020. We're coming up on our one year anniversary uh, of the of this like catastrophic yeah. sanctuary destroying fire. That did not have to happen, but there was an accident next door where they were doing some asbestos removal, not carefully, and bam, churches burnt wow. down. I, I was born in Philadelphia, and the you first were. church that I was a part of burnt down. Um, there was actually a gentleman who's had um, uh, some legal trouble that our church was trying to help out. He, he, I think he got a little bit upset and set it on fire. <gasps> and um, yeah, so it was, uh, it was a little traumatic. No. But the church building was like, you know, I don't know, 10, 20 years old. It wasn't... It, it was heartbreaking for our community. We moved to wow. a, a local Christian college. We were on campus there for a while. Um, but it's not like a church that had been in Manhattan for years and years and years. So yeah. it, it was a loss that we experienced, but I think it uh, doesn't compare to the historic significance of a church that had been around. H- how old was the actual building uh, that y'all yeah, were this, in? That was, our third, that was our third location, and it was 1892. Oh. So it and it was the facade of it is landmarked, which and the facade stands though mm-hmm. it is scorched and not. Let's just say it costs a lot of money to stabilize that facade. Yeah, uh, but the landmarks people wanted us to save it, and we we worked to do that. Uh, I mean, this is um, a lot of memories in there. Yeah, yeah. You know, children being raised in the depression. One of our members used to come to church with a Dr. Palin. And get a toothbrush from him because he didn't have a toothbrush of his own. He shared wow. a toothbrush with his brothers. Wow. So we've done poor people. We've done um, people living and dying with HIV AIDS. We've done feeding. We've done women's justice and economic justice and his, his babies and births and baptisms and weddings. Wow. So and the building is gone. What, what's is there like a is there a plan to get it to rebuild it yeah. or like how does I assume construction in Manhattan's a little bit complicated. Teeny tiny bit. <laughs> yeah, we. I've been, been in meetings all day today about two paths we're still exploring, Luke. And thank you for asking. You know, one is we'd like to build on site. That makes that would be beautiful to build yeah. on site. Is that site viable to build on with the facade still standing? And you got to get your equipment over the site to do it. Oh wow! Um, and then just so we're doing an engineering study right now. They're right, yay, even now. Yea, that we walk through the valley of unknowing. Someone is doing an engineering study to find out if we can do it. And the other path we're looking at for due diligence is, is there a property that's south Manhattan where we are that gives us a chance to buy something and rebuild or buy something and move in? And we had a really productive meeting with those guys a little while ago. Mm -hmm. So hopefully by the end of the year, we'll at least have a sense of direction. We'd Mm -hmm. like to. Uh, but it's, you know, it's been a mystery up until now. So that's we'll right. see. So I serve a church in Austin, Texas, and our oh, church yeah. has been around for almost 50 years. And so we have a, a, a nice building. And during COVID, all the schools shut down the use of their buildings for right. church plants. Oh, and so there was a church plant. a plant? No, 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 no. My no, church is established. But there is okay. a, a church plant that had been around for eight or nine years, and they couldn't find a place because they were kicked out of their school. And so they wow. started using our facilities in the afternoon. So at two and four, they have services here. And oh, I was cool. having lunch with the, the pastor, a pastor Tory, maybe last week. And uh-huh. he was talking about how difficult it is to find real estate in Austin, Texas, to buy a building and to move in and how hard it is for them. And I thought, man, that is really difficult. Austin's pretty tough. And then I was thinking, wait a minute, 
Manhattan. That's even worse than Austin. That's I, worse. Yeah, I don't envy what you're going through. That's, yeah. It's, it's, it's not, you know what's beginning to happen, Luke? And I'm trying to be really honest here because people really want to know. <clears throat> I'm beginning to feel, you know, what are we finding in the fire? You know, I mean, we were landlocked. We, um, we don't have any space to grow. We grew 503 people accurately wow. have joined our church since we shut down for COVID mm-hmm. in March of 2020 to, 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 last, to yesterday. Mm-hmm. So what are, you what are you doing, God? To, you know, speak to us plainly. Don't make us read your mind, but show mm-hmm. us what you're doing, God, and let us try to imagine that that space on site will be better or there will be a better space to headquarter this movement. I'm mm. just, I'm getting pretty Buddhist in my Presbyterian old age. You know, like, <laughs> it's like, well, I can't really control this outcome, so let me not be attached to wow. it, <laughs> where I'm at. So you, you multiply the drama of your church burning down, you're in Manhattan, not an easiest place to, to deal with real estate s- situations, um, and then you experience COVID in an yes. extremely densely populated area like Manhattan, and yeah. yet somehow... 503 people have gotten connected to your community uh, right. during the season, which, like, that's a miracle. Like, if, if that's not a miracle, I don't Absolutely. know what it is. That's amazing. It is, it is a miracle. It's like feeding the, you know, 5,000. It is a miracle. And, and I think, Luke, some of them found us because of the fire. I mean, the news of this fire, yeah. you know, the, the, this, this gothic, you know, old, old, old church burns down, and they're carrying the fire in China. So some of them found us because of the story of the fire, the story of the bell, because of the anti-racist trainings we did last year mm-hmm. when George Floyd got murdered and Amon Aubrey, whose trial, the trial is going on right now. Yeah, it's a miracle. It is. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the book title, which by the way, Fierce Love, um, you have a section about joy. Yes. <laughs> did you did you like th- like hey I'm going to write this book and then all of a sudden you go hmm church is going to burn down go through covid in the midst of like densely populated like Manhattan and yet I'm still going to write a book that has joy in it cuz if like you really have to be an expert on joy if you can write it in the midst of those circumstances I wrote the chapter on joy after the fire took the no. building down I was on um, you know my manuscript was due uh, January 1 and the fire happened in December, and my amazing team said, "You know, obviously need some space." Yeah. Uh, so got like another. I'm going to say, yeah, March one. You know, so we've got two months, which, like, I had outlined the chapter on joy. Yeah. But I just, I mean, my choir at Christmas, two weeks after the fire was outside caroling, you know? Mm. The building was still kind of almost smoldering and they were caroling across Uh the street and enjoying each other. The the day of the fire, for sure, when there were still uh, hot spots in the building, some of my congregants went to the building next door, the the Women's Prison Association, women in halfway situation, and took them shopping and giggling and helping them to survive. We, you know, we are joyful, and the children in my life, which I highlight in the book, my grandbabies, just looking back over them in the time, the, the, the December time, the Christmas time with them, 
in the safe ways we gathered. It just, it just made me so happy. So I'm joyful. Mm-hmm. And more than ever, we need a fierce love to be joyful. Not just for middle with the COVID and the fire, but for the nation, which is a hot mess. <laughs> we got we got to find some joy so we can like make it through this gauntlet that we are going through. Yeah, yeah. I, I think in a time and a season like this, one of the witnesses that the church can be to the rest of the world is is people who have joy in the midst of yeah. adversity and conflict, and yep. to be a witness that is in, in some ways extremely prophetic. In which yes. most of the world has anger, we have tension, we have anxiety, but. I'm not talking about in the clinical sense, but like general anxiety and fear. It, to be people of joy, like that is an amazing, compelling witness that the church has to offer. Yeah, and, and, it's resistance, right? It's yeah. resistance. Yeah. Well, it, it, in the book, you talk about the the witness of the black church having a unique, you called it black joy. Um, yeah. Can you t- talk yeah. about more about how that witness can be um, a, a representative of what God intends for the world to experience? Absolutely. And y'all can all have some black joy. You don't have to be black to have black joy. Um, yes, ma'am. I'll yeah, take it. I think, I'll take it. I, you know, like, I'm think about it. this, Luke. Think about it. My ancestors have left, have been, you know, kidnapped, right, and put on sh- ships uh, stacked like uh, sardines. And they come to the shore and they bring with them the spiritualities that of many you know, many cultures, right? There's not one monolithic African culture. Yes, ma'am. But they bring spiritualities, and those spiritualities are like about drum and dance and sing and holler and shout and um, good food and, you know, celebration, those spiritual resources. And so they, they find themselves, I think, in a syncretizing space with Christianity. Uh, Peter Paris, a long time ago, wrote a book about black spirituality. Anyway, to get shorter on this answer, like, they are in the, they're dancing in the bush hollers, they are, you know, out in the woods uh, celebrating. They are drumming. They are dancing. Um, Toni Morrison's book, Beloved, that scene, there's a scene where baby Suggs, comma, holy, a country preacher. Men, come dance. Women, come sing. Children, come laugh. This celebration of embodied spirituality is joy. Yeah. Um, the, the, the pound cake and champagne that me and my black female preacher friends and I do, joy. Laughter, joy. Joy marching for justice, joy resisting, uh, joy you know having cookouts, joy celebrating Juneteenth. It's it is it is absolutely I believe how we survived and thrived mm-hmm. is the ability to access joy in the most horrific of circumstances. Yeah. Okay. In the book, you tell uh, a story about a, uh, a, a boyfriend, I think, a, a friend, a male friend, when you're in seminary. Yeah. Who mansplained to you? Oh my good, yes. That <laughs> happiness is from the outside and joy is from the inside. Now, I like I I've said that a few times, so I don't want to say that in a mansplaining way. But um, you don't really like that definition. You have a different one, or maybe a, a fuller one. Can you give uh, us that, another yeah. one? Yeah, I just feel like eh. that. Just feels so. It feels like you're undermining happy. So let me do it. Let me do it the opposite of that. The mansplainer okay. was like, happiness is like light and fluffy, and joy is deep. And that's why it's different. I was like, I don't know. And also joy comes from God and happiness doesn't. Mm, I don't know. Because in the Beatitudes where it says, blessed are the poor in heart and they shall see yeah. God and blessed are the so-and-so, that word translates to happy. Yeah. And that word happy, that word happy and blessed is deep because, she says, the exegete, it's actually connected to liberation and freedom and truth. So happy is not like, yeah, the uh, is it Ali? I can't say it. A L E U. 
that blessed word, that, mm-hmm. that word in the Greek context, Luke, in the Greek context, the people who were happy and blessed like that were the people who had confer- been conferred citizenry and the people who had rights. Hmm. Hmm, right? We that's, don't, that's not what they teach us in seminary. That's what happens when you're writing a book and stand up late. You know? So that, that sense of blessedness is almost like aspirational. Maybe because the gospel writers were thinking about all the people having citizenry in the kingdom of God as opposed yeah. to in the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. But it's about um, satisfaction and well-being that happens because you have what you need. That's blessed. That's happy. To me, that's spiritual and that's deep. You know, um, joy and happy are both deep. And so I just didn't like the man acting like only the good could be joyful and only the godly could be joyful and happiness was fluffy. Because happiness is deep as well. That, that's yeah. my argument. Okay. Well, I'm not going to argue back with you, but I had definitely have said that many times before. And uh, like, I, I'll take your point. One of the things you say in the book, it's not just the religious people that can have joy. And yes. I, I think that like it, it transcends the barriers of what we want to say of like in and out of, of good and bad yes. of like exactly. God's people and not God's people. Because it seems that's like, right. I, I think joy comes from God. Like God is the source of, of all joy and love. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we get to like say that God doesn't give joy to people who aren't on quote unquote God's team. Like I feel like That's God right. might be the source That's of right. all joy, but I think we're all and, invited and, to experience and just, it. And just as we as we work this out together, what I'm saying is God is also the joy of happy. God is also yeah. the source of happy. And, and that was the, the argument I was having with the planer is yeah. that the happiness that is really the, 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 let's say, that comes from a healed world, tikkun olam, mm-hmm. the happiness that is reign of God on earth, that's God too. Yeah. I, I've got a coworker of mine, and she is a, a confetti person. She gets real happy. Okay. And so for my birthday, she gave me a, an emergency confetti. Uh, what, like, is this a vial or something? And <laughs> it like, is a vial. I'm like, this, like, this is great. Like, I think that's, that's great. <laughs> that's happiness, joy, whatever you want to call it. It's just good. Like it, and it's, yeah. if, it's, if it's good, it's from God. This is correct, Luke. That is the pin in our talk right there. If it's good, it comes from God. And let's not have such like the secular sacred separation. That's yeah. not really black folks' religion is all that separation of, of uh, secular you, and sacred. That's it's more white holy. people? You think that's more in the, the white tradition? I think tradition? it is more white. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's Western. I think okay. it's European. European, okay. I think it's European. Therefore, I think it's colonization. And I think, are you, what you are, are you uh, Nord- are you Norseworthy, like Norseworthy? Are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm white. In case you didn't figure that out, I saw that you're white. Yeah, but I didn't know. What's like, your people? Yeah. You're so funny. What's your people? Uh, I, white from I, where? I don't. Part of Europe. I don't know. Like my mom likes to do the genealogy stuff. And do you know the word genealogy comes from the Greek word for having too much free time? Um, yes. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm kidding. Just kidding. I, it it's comes, it's so like funny. my brother says he's Irish, and I guess okay. He's redheaded well, though, so I mean, if he's Irish, I guess that makes me Irish since we have the same parents. But Norseworthy etymology, Norse yeah, Northworthy. It, it comes from like uh, like peninsula, like nose. Okay, I, I gotcha. Oh, okay. I don't know right. what it is. So Scottish, let's go right? with let's go with let's go with Scottish Irish. Yeah, I'm let's good with that. Go, take yourself to the theological place of the Titanic movie. <laughs> okay, All right, I'm there. <laughs> Right. There's there was that, room. There was room for both of them on that piece of wood at the end of the movie. That's my what only the theological heck? conviction. That's Let's my come back to that. Okay, all right. Jack, come back. He could have stayed up on there and had he a nice stayed. day. She didn't Oh my god. She should have made more space. Okay, suicide so suicide by wood suicide by wood plank. Okay, I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. Stay with me. Yes, ma'am. Okay. 
No, don't don't call me, ma'am. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm um, in Texas now. I can't help okay. it. Okay, so so they were jamming downstairs. The Irish were partying all day downstairs. They were just having a good time. So so also also so many cultures. So it isn't it isn't white versus black, but it is tight butt versus not tight butt. Okay, it is <laughs> it is yes. Did I say that? <laughs> It is. Oh my God! Forget, forbid that we be so plebeian as to laugh. Oh my God! Forbid that we drink some beer and like get some foam. So the British, the British, fighting against the aristocrats in Great Britain, brought their little aristocratic, striving selves over here, and I would say scrub the joy out of whiteness too. So. Claim your joy. Claim the party. Claim the happy. Mm-hmm. Don't parse happy joy like one is spiritual and one's not, because then you'd be looking for it in all the wrong places. As in, I have to suffer to have joy. Really? No. Yeah. No. I, right. I, well, because what you do, like you, you are turning away a gift that you've been given. Happiness yes. is a gift. I, I, I think joy, like, it, appears in things that don't seem very happy. And I'm very grateful for, for joy, but I would rather just be happy all the time because that means you're probably not in adversity. But or happy and joy at the same time could be, mean that you have enough food on the table. Yeah. Means you're not like what I'm trying to say, Luke, is if we split that too much and you and I are putting yeah. it together, then we're not thinking we need to remedy the things that don't give people the feeling of citizenry and belonging and to come along. Like, oh, those people, I mean, Thomas Jefferson wrote in his notes on the state of Virginia that black people don't really grieve, that they don't really hurt, that their grief is transient, right? And it's kind of like indicating like the little darky people who they don't mind working that hard all day. It's not that bad. Yeah, that's... That's what can happen when you do happy joy split. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, you can't come. You can't come back from that one. That one, you're just, you really can't. You're yeah, like done, no, right? Yeah. Okay. That's 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 not good. That's <laughs> okay, yeah. that's not joyful or happy. Uh, you write no. that one down. You look back and go, yeah, that's that's not a good one. Yeah, um, that's not good. So joy. Uh, yeah. So the book has joy in it, but there's also like uh, there's a lot of hard stuff, stuff in there. There's a lot of yes, suffering. Um, yeah. You've written some stuff in here that is um, very personal, and as the book's about to come out. Uh, do you have any like um, what Brene yes. Brown calls like vulnerability hangover? Like you're like, uh, um, I put Absolutely. a lot of stuff out there. Okay, so you do have some of that. Oh my God. Are you kidding? I did the audio book like, two weeks ago. And as I was reading, I was like, what? what? Were you on crack when you wrote all these Why'd things you about that? yourself? Yeah. Why'd you do that? You did have you to put all that in there. Yeah. Oh my God. You, so there's, there's a traumatic moment. Um, you know, I, I think you're... I don't think you used the word precocious, but you seem like a precocious 18, 19 year old. You're coming back from yeah. college. You have a interaction, um, you know, w- with your dad that has, uh, less than kind that, that stayed yes. with you. Um, that, yes. that um, I, yes. I think you use the phrase like you, you were shaped by violence in that moment and yes. that stays yes. there. Um, yes. yep. there's, uh, there's a story of, um, uh, you know, person close to you who sexually assaulted you. Um, yep. am, am I using the, is that the right no, terminology? Right. Yeah. I mean, yep. I think that, I think people would say, you know, molested okay. because that doesn't feel like rape and we want to distinguish that. Okay. But I would say when you're a little girl and someone you trust molests you, that's pretty violating. That's what I would say. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's, that's just terrible yeah. for a human being to be treated that way. Yeah. One of the things that, so this person, um, the perpetrator, the 
mm-hmm. the victimizer, uh, is was close to your family. And so that, that was yes. part of, uh, like, you growing up, this person was around. And there was yep. a line in there where you said you assumed that you were uh, in some nasty thing together. Yeah. Now, obviously, you're a child. Um, you're not an adult. There's no way to say that you did anything wrong in that situation. You didn't. Um, but you assumed that you were in this nasty thing together. How could... As someone let, who's a parent... Me, or go ahead. Let me think. I actually said this person treated me. He... he he insinuated that we were in a nasty thing together. Okay. And that's, and that's what, that was such the hard part, right? Look, like the hard part was it made me feel nasty that he insinuated that we were in a nasty thing together. Okay. Yeah. Uh, first of all, thank you for correcting me on that. Uh, no, thanks it's for getting, okay. I hope getting it's the okay. wording correctly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there are many uh, people who would say who are knowledgeable of, of, of this, um, in which I am not an expert on this. Um, but one of the things I'm, I'm wanting to know more about is how do you help a victim like this, who's a, a child, not right. assume like their complicity or that they have guilt right. because of what someone did to them? Which it seems yeah. like there are many people who feel that way after they go that's through right. that. Absolutely, Luke, and that's a really important question. No matter you know how I worded that in the book, your question is so right on. Because the shame that people go through, and you know it, we can really place it with adult women. The, the people who want to know more about that, go to RAIN, R-A-I-N-N, the Rape and, and Incest Network. Um, like the number of people, boys and girls, men and women, who are sexually assaulted every year, every day, is, out, is, is outsized from our imagination. Yeah. And, and, and then they're, they're doubly traumatized. <coughs> Why didn't you just say no? Why didn't you fight harder? Yeah, what did I do? It's my responsibility. I should have done something to stop this. Why didn't you have on that right clothes, you know? And like, what? Yeah, what did... Yeah. And children are just helpless and defenseless and not able to, like, get out. So I think what's really important is the intervention of adults who know the story. Therapy, counseling. <coughs> I'm sorry. You're right. If you have to say it's not your fault a million times, for any child abuse situation, not just sexual, but any child, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, it's not your fault. Think Will in Goodwill Hunting. Yep. This idea that children need to know that the adult knows that they didn't do it. And I tell a story in the book of how, no matter, even though I was basically 60 when my mom died, Mm -hmm. 58, and I knew it wasn't my fault. In those dying days with her when she said, you know, precious, you weren't too shiny and it wasn't your fault, that was mercy and kindness Mm -hmm. and womb-like love from my mom who had just said it again. Like, you just have to repeat it because the perpetrator is pulling the abused person into a dynamic with them, yeah. that it is mutual. And it's absolutely not mutual. Hmm. Can, can, can you say that again? You were 57. Your mom died uh, a couple years mm-hmm. ago. Uh, yeah. She was 80 years old. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And yeah. yet as an adult who yep. well-adjusted, married, yep. kid, you know, reverend doctor, yet those words, it, it, it's not your fault, still carried a great deal of significance for you. Absolutely, Luke. That that 
you know, we're always becoming, you know, we're becoming all the time. And mm-hmm. I'm 58 and she's dying and I'm in the room with her and listening and she's listening and we're healing each other of, 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 of anything, you know, like making amends and just like we adored each other. But the thing that was between us was I wondered, you know, cause I didn't know for sure, like, did, did, did you ever think like, did you ever think that, that it was really, like, she didn't really know. And so the not knowing of it had around it some mystery So what I got really clear about is that even though as a girl you think your mother knows everything, like she really didn't know that story about our 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 friend, and I needed to let her know that I that I got that, and then her response back over many days also was, "Love, just in case you wondered, I never thought it was your fault, and it wasn't your fault, and." Your shininess didn't make it happen. Your goodness didn't make it happen. It is. It was like a, a, a benediction, Luke. Wow. Hmm. A benediction. A benediction. Yeah. I, and good. And and it took me to. It's like she was still giving birth to something in me. I don't know fully that I can explain to you what the thing is. But it, but I know it happened, and I, I know I'm different. Like, if I was fierce before, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I emerged from those conversations with my mom with something so strong and resilient and self-loving that it has pushed me further into the world. Hmm. That's a, a beautiful metaphor of she gave birth to something else in you, and... Yeah. Uh, benediction. I mean, that's just beautiful. I think there's a, a line in the book about her. You, you know, you're beautiful. I love you. And you would re- yes. do the refrain of you're beautiful. I love you. And love you. Uh, yeah. that is a gift that, that you had those yeah. uh, those last moments uh, together. Um, that's right. She was in Chicago. Is that right? And yep, in Chicago. In New yeah. York, and you were able to be yeah. there. I mean, that's that's yeah. a grace that you had that. And yeah. Uh, and, and you just talked about self love, which is something that you write about in the book that. You know the importance of self-love, and I fully, fully affirm the importance of self-love. Like, how do you love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love yourself? Mm-hmm. I just, like intellectually, like I get the idea. I never preach or talk about self-love, though. It's not something that I yeah. that I preach about. What What am I missing out on by being a pastor who doesn't preach about self-love enough? Wow. Well, you know, you know how. Um it's been said that preaching is truth through personality. Okay. So I wouldn't say you're missing out on anything. Okay. But I would say, but I would say maybe just this conversation might like spark it. Yeah. You know, it, it's very womanist. Um, I'm a womanist theologian to find our foremothers, Audre Lorde and, um, you know, Alice Walker and Toni Morrison, um, uh, in Tazaki Shange, you know, I found God in myself and I loved her fiercely. Uh, there's a kind of uh, organic rising up of the need to affirm our, our bodies, our, ourselves, our hearts, 
love your flesh, like love all your flesh, you know, that same sermon from Baby Six Holy and Toni Morrison's, but love your flesh because someone else doesn't love your flesh. You know, love your flesh, love your heart, love your hands, love your neck, love your, your skin tone, love your hair, love your goodness, because the world doesn't love blackness, Luke. So I, you know, I'm honest in the book about the up and downness of that, but when that little girl Lisa in the book calls me the N-word for the very first time, and my dad goes to the base commander and says, I'm demanding an apology for me and my daughter, thank you. Mm-hmm. And my mom prays with me, and, and, but tells me first that racism is silly, basically. So there is, you know, there is a kind of beginning kernel, a beautiful kernel of no matter what the world says, you're ours and we love you and God loves you. And it's an important ingredient in your life and in mine. And I would just say that some children are going to get it delivered to them in different ways than other children. That, you know, there's, you know, a poor white child in Appalachia might not get delivered a whole lot of sense of self-love when they're little, right? Um, a kid trying to make it across the desert uh, with their parents to get to you know the land of the free and the home of the brave might not. An indigenous child who grew up in a family where their their parents and their parents' parents were, you know, molested and beat up in boarding schools. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there, but but in the main, we all need it. Yep. And 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 your congregation, there is someone who looks like they don't need it but needs it. Needs yeah. a reminder yeah. that they are loved, and it's not how hard they work and how many hours they stay up and how much money they make and how many cars they buy and whether they drink the right drink or use the right mouthwash or make it as simple or as complex as you want, that, that there's no place they can go where God doesn't find them, come to get them, seek them out, and love them. And that's what they need to know so they can stop boozing it, drugging it, working it, you know, yeah. sexing it, because there's a hole really in their soul. Yeah. Okay, there's a lot a lot to say for that. First of all, thank you for, for all of that. Um, I, in the book, you talk about, like, I am enough. Like, that is a, mm-hmm. a central part of self-love. And yeah. that feels far more comfortable to me. That is actually part of the common language that I'll use in various settings. Uh, that feels far more comfortable than, than self-love. I don't know what it is, just the, the language of it for whatever reason. But I think it's really insightful, your observation that the um, you know, person growing up uh, you know, in, in Appalachia who doesn't have a, a great deal of uh, privileges handed their, their way, or a person who's crossing a border, or you know, someone who's lived in a part of the world in which, because of the shape of their nose and um, you know, the way that their face looks, that they're seen as one tribe versus the other, and therefore their people go through a genocide. Um, there's a different experience than someone who, I, I was born, you know, my parents told me I was valuable and I was loved, and they were always there for me. And like, I, The message I received over and over again is that uh, I, I am lovable. Like, I'm accepted, and things about me people like, and it's good. And, and so... When the world gives you a different message from just the the kid that you were born with, the, the things you need to hear probably are different. Is that fair to say? I think it's fair. But but I also think if I just say, Luke, do you love you? I, I would say like I accept myself. Like I'm, I fully embrace like who God created me to be and uh, 
I don't know why the word love is just like I don't know. What's up, Luke? I don't know. Like I, like I believe in like I'm for. I don't know if it's just like a. You're for- I don't yeah. know if this is like toxic masculinity kind of like seeping out of my pores or something or what. I just, like I tell my daughters every day, like I love you. I love, I've loved you every moment you've been alive. The greatest thing I've ever happened to me is being your dad. Like love, like it just seems like it, it's effusive in that relationship. But towards myself, it's, um, I don't know. It's, I'm not saying you're wrong. Like I, I'm just saying like this is uh, an area for me to, to grow into. And I'm, and I'm not trying to say you're wrong, but I think you're making my point in a way uh, <laughs> that... I, I'm, I think you're making my point in a way that American culture does not have this conversation about self-love. We, we get narcissism. We get yeah. don't be prideful, right? We get egotistical. And I, I would say as a psychologist that a lot of the people that we think are prideful and, ego, prideful and egomaniacs or whatever actually don't love themselves, that that's a facade. That's yeah. a persona. Yeah. And, and in fact... Just be, you're using a different language of I accept myself. And I'm saying a lot of people don't accept themselves. They don't love themselves. They don't accept themselves. They don't have grace enough for themselves. They, they think they're worms. And I would say, theologically, you and I know that the church, the church, as soon as Constantine thinks that the church should be the state religion, Christianity is a tool of control. Mm-hmm. And you want worm people. You want people... To, you want me on that wall. I'm sounding like, uh, <laughs> like uh, Nicholson, um, yeah. Jack Nicholson. But like we want Ted, the church wanted a whole class of people to think they were unworthy and, and worm-alike and that God didn't love them and that they, weren't, they needed to buy their way into heaven. They needed to pay for indulgences. They needed the priest to stand in between them and God because they were, and that's why Jesus died because you are just the scum of the earth. You are just horrible Really, Augustine? What happened to I'm awesomely and wonderfully made in God's image? I'm talking theologically. Yeah. What, how, how did we construct that dynamic between us and God? The psalmist says we were made a little less than God, a little less than Elohim, and we're so uncomfortable with that, we have to say we're a little less than the angels. Well, it's not translated angels when it's translated God. All over the Old Testament, every which way, Elohim, 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 God, 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 Elohim, God, 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 until it's about us. And then we're like, that's too much. I, I'm not trying to like say y'all are God, people that are listening. Hmm. I am saying the text says we were crowned with glory and honor because we're a little less than God to be God's partners in the world, to steward the world, to subdue the world, eh, to dominate the world, eh, to care for the care world for it, with yeah. God, right? Yeah. So I'm saying, Luke, if the white guys who were taught that they are loved by their parents interjected that as love for themselves, they would be able to do what Jesus says, which is love your neighbor just exactly as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. Equal sign, love neighbor, love self. Os is the Greek word. It's exactly the same. If we loved ourselves, what kind of policies would we make for our neighbor? What kinds of pay scale for our neighbor? What kinds of health care for our neighbor? Would we really have corporate structures where people make thousand times their employees? It's a good, yeah. Yeah, it's a good question, right? It's a good question. <laughs> That's a good question. Okay, I'm going to start saying I love okay. myself. All right, I'm okay, going to work on go. it without... Look in the mirror be like, I love me, I love me, it's my birthday. 
Yeah. Okay, I, I, I'm going to try to get there. Like, it's going it, to, it'll be slowly. <laughs> it, uh, it might be just like one Ted Lasso quote after another to myself, like oh just my once God. in the morning. Um, <laughs> Isn't that a great joke? Do I believe in angels? No, but I hope angels believe in them. Or what is it? Uh, do I believe in ghosts? Yeah, but I hope ghosts, more importantly, believe in themselves. I, I can start doing that. Like a, a you little, can do that, right? I can do that. Um, a little what, bit. One of the things you say in the book is <coughs> we have to be curious about ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have to be curious yeah. about ourselves, which means sometimes you get, have conversations which might involve a microphone that you share with the world in which yes. people talk to you about why you don't say that you love yourself. Um, yes. Besides <laughs> that, as the medium in which someone can express curiosity in themselves, yeah. what are other ways that people can be curious about themselves? Yeah, good. Well, in this book, Fierce Love, there's an exercise in the first, second chapter about this kind of story exercise that actually I did the first time when I was doing the research on leaders in um, multiracial churches. I had found it in a great book uh, called uh, Leading Minds. Uh, Howard Gardner and I did this study on these leaders using those questionnaires and another guy whose name I can't remember. But now I get to the place where I use this questions with small groups, you know, or like I'm doing a strategic plan in my church. And, you know, we're always thinking about the thing as an ongoing story. Mm-hmm. Your life is an ongoing story. What's today's chapter? What chapter? Luke might be the day I had the meeting with Jackie about loving myself. That might <laughs> be today's chapter. Um, but how did you get here? Mm-hmm. What were the joys, the, the problems, the things, the stuff? Those of us who write a book or do a podcast are, are doing self-reflection often, and so this is prompting self-reflection, because here's what I think, Luke. I am who I am because of my mom and dad and the good stuff and the yucky stuff. I am who I am because that stupid person in the family didn't mm-hmm. behave well with me. I am who I am because... Um, I learned that I could cut hair when I was little, and I learned that I could do hair to get myself through college, but, and I learned how to use a screwdriver. I am who I am because my parents didn't push me into gender roles. You know, I, I cooked and helped fix the car. I, I am who I am because the world turned some yucky stuff my way, but also because I have had the most enjoyable life. I mean, wow, that's why I laugh easily. So the good things and the bad things grow our muscle for love. Yeah. The tough stuff. And, the, and so if you look at your story and don't be fake about your story, you can say, damn, that was really hard. What did, what's the gift that came in the fire? Yeah. You know, what, 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 how can I become stronger in the broken place? Very, very Buddhist, right? Yeah. And, and you more than anyone you know deserves love, Buddha says. Did you ever read a book called Lamb? I, I don't think I've read that the one. The Gospel According to Biff oh, Christ. I've heard about this one. I haven't read it. I've heard good things about the book. If you read this book, be in private, because you will laugh. Your daughters will think you've lost your mind. Yeah, they, it is, they already have, but yes. Okay. One of my professors Stupid in school, funny. Randy Harris, uh, <laughs> he recommended this book years ago, maybe it's been out for 10, 15 years, 20 it's, years? So, longer than that. Old, yeah. old book in which Jesus has a childhood friend who knows all this business. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And loves him anyway. And, like, this book, very well researched, but there's a humanizing of Jesus um, that's like, I am a boy. I have a crush on a girl. I bump my head. I fall down. I make mistakes. You know, I yeah. am human. And 
I love myself after my mistakes. It's, yeah. it's really, I wish it would be taught in seminary. I, okay, so I, I think that is one of the toughest things about self-love or in the language that I'm more comfortable with, like accepting yourself uh, and being content yeah. with yourself is when you bump into those parts of your story right. where you realize that was tough because I made it tough or I, I messed up and it has right. substantial consequences. You, you tell a story in the book about someone uh, – uh, they have cancer, which leads to their passing, and it's connected to smoking. And at yeah. part of their story is right. like, I-, I wish I would have given this up. I wish I would have stopped yeah. it. And right. like, how in moments like that would you would you coach someone up, coach someone up on how to love themselves when they have that part of their story in front of them? Yeah, go right back to the gospel of you know, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our debts. Yep. That's, that has to be reflexive. It has to turn on to the self. And it really is just like, I'm just trying to take the Bible stuff and like really boil it down. Yeah. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. First John, evoking the tabernacle. I'm wandering around the wilderness. I got my tabernacle. The presence of God is in the tabernacle, right? Yeah. But God's tabernacling in us. And so it really does get to be, Luke, when we're so hard on ourselves and we're so unable to forgive ourselves, um, we're actually, I would say, dishonoring what God created, mm. what God made in us, the God inside us, the divine spark in us. Mm-hmm. And if that's too woo-woo, friends, every, just look at it. Just Where does the Bible say, I'm a temple of the holy? You're created in the image of God. You, you're awesomely and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. Psalmist says, "Like, how can we own that? And and then can we forgive ourselves for the space between us and our idea of perfection? And then we, can we forgive ourselves for not forgiving ourselves? And that's called grace." Hmm. Do you think it's easier for most to extend grace to others than to themselves? Absolutely. Why Absolutely. is that? Why is that? Because we're, that's what we're taught that we have a high value on that. <clears throat> How, how are we taught we're, that? We're taught in Sunday school. We're taught, we're taught in, um, on the sandbox. Um, Bob, Bobby stole my toy. Give it to him. Let him take a turn. Yeah. Right there. Bobby's feelings about your toy are more important than your feelings about your toy. We, nope, the mother the dad don't say, Bobby, you know, that's really Bobby's good. Playing with that, Bobby's playing with that toy right now. Let him have five more minutes, and then he'll let you have a turn. You see how that's different? Okay, now the second thing. Go I for have it. To go home and deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, who, who, said, who said that you can't play with your own toy? It's got a Come lot on, here. It's yours. I, <laughs> right? My kids are a little too old. I've already kind of worked through that stage with them, and uh, so there's some trauma they're going to have to undo. It's not too late. Um, it's, not, but it's, but it's not too late? It's okay, autonomic. Go. Essentially, it's autonomic. It's autonomic response because we were taught that the other is more important than you, and we missed you're both important. That's all. I don't think you're more important than the other. That's good. But you're both important. How do you have a transaction? How are you going to have a transaction in the world, a, a transformational transaction, if in the dynamic you don't count? That's you're not really, honest then? Yeah. Right? That's really good. That's really good. Both of you are important. It's not just they're important, which... Both I've always of you are important. I, I felt like as a parent, like I'm instilling, oh no, you you put other people first. You care about them, uh, but maybe you care about yourself and other people, and that um, 
that might set you a better course going forward. Because maybe you don't pick a relationship in which you don't get to be a self in it. Maybe you don't do self-destructive things. Maybe you yourself is on the same plane as this other because you're both God's creatures, both God's creatures. And maybe then we're not looking for the reason to hate the other because we actually really hate that in ourselves. I mean, this is revolutionary stuff, Luke, right here. Okay, I'm going to start saying I love myself. Okay. Uh, okay. And I, I love myself and Jackie. <laughs> I love myself and Jackie. <laughs> and I'm Jackie. enough. They are enough. I'm and Jackie's enough. enough. Jackie's enough. That's right. That's yes, right. the Reverend Doctor is enough. I'm enough. We're all, we're all good. <laughs> we're all enough. That's okay, right. Reverend Doctor, one of my favorite bar questions. If you're sitting yeah. next to the bar, th- this is a great yeah. conversation start, in my opinion. There's a question yeah. I'd like to ask. Which is your favorite fictitional president as depicted on the silver screen or on the small screen? I know in my heart of hearts that you're going to answer this question correctly. Who's you know your- I am. Jed Bartlett. Yes, that's exactly it. I know it. I know it. Because I know you, you like to watch West Wing reruns, and that is the right answer. There's, it is the right answer. Yeah. Okay. That's what I wanted. Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman will be number two. He just hasn't had enough presidential airtime. That's the truth. But he it, was, could be, it could be he, Morgan Freeman. There is a, the <laughs> Gerard Butler thing that uh, yes, trilogy, that's right. He's, uh, Olympus yeah, has that's fallen. Right. He's the president <laughs> there. But yeah. not for long enough. <laughs> no. He, right. He's got more time as God than the president, which says that's something. Right. That's right. I don't. I think God does have Morgan Freeman's voice, um, and I do think it's in that. Absolutely, that's true. But I don't know if a president has that voice. Okay, so you got that question right. I feel like you answered a lot of these questions. Um, you know, I'm going to give you an A plus. I don't typically grade guests, but for you, I'm going to make an exception. I think that's great because Reverend Doctor would give you an A plus as well. Wow, that's um, that, that's very special. <laughs> well, um, thank you so much for the time. Uh, the thank book, you, Luke. Fierce love. Uh, when this is uh, posted, the po- the book will be out. And uh, what what are your plans for? I'm about to sneeze. <laughs> I've never done He's that in a podcast before. It's but a- I love myself even when I sneeze. And right, uh, they can I, take it out if they want to. Yeah, they can. They can for yeah. sure. What what is your plan for release day? What are you um, do? We have a November 9th release, mm-hmm. and if you just go to jackiejlewis.com. Um, you will, and also middlechurch.org, if that's easier, mm-hmm. you will see all the things that start with church on Sunday the 7th, a party at Joe's Pub, party, party, 8th, 9th, 10th, like all week long, beautiful conversations like this, Luke. But what about like, uh, a, like your husband, the, the, oh, yeah. the grandkids, oh, the family? Oh, we're going to the party. Okay. Oh, we're going to the party, and then the grandkids will come on the 14th Sunday and celebrate with us in Manhattan. Yeah. Okay, so if, well, if you celebrate... Um, yeah. Are you going to cook the? If you have chicken on that that day, will you season you know the chicken white people style or black people style? No. What's your answer to that question? I, I'm oh, like, bright and shining star. I, I, I'm going to. It's going to be some black chicken yeah, up in here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Me and my daughter-in-law will be seasoning the chicken. It will be fried. It will be crispy, but it shall have more than just salt and pepper because okay. that's what you have to do. <laughs> Deal, deal. I'm not going to argue with you on that one. I'm not going to argue. Hey, thank you so much for the time. It has been great to meet you. And uh, I look forward to the job offer to work on your staff like you promised. You're a delight, Luke. What a joy it is to talk with you. That's great. You do not disappoint. (laughs) Thank you so much for this honor of the past. Outstanding.